Hello everybody, welcome to Into the Pray, Breaching the Chaos of the Church. Welcome to our next episode now of the focus on textual criticism in the New Testament. And last time you'll remember we set out our stall a little bit in terms of why this relates and how this relates to evangelism. Uh, each of our personal responsibility to be on the street in some shape or form, why these details matter, why we'd have this book that we're profiling, why we would have that in our bags as we traipse the streets of our witness. And I think that's what we've done. If you've not listened to that, go back and listen to that um, that episode from people that we've heard back from. Um, it was helpful, so we're grateful for that. So thank you for those of you who fed back. To make the point again, on each of these episodes and indeed in each of these chapters, we're responding to the overall thrust of the book that we're profiling by, um, edited by Hickson and Gurry. The reason we're profiling these in each of the, in, in, in going through each of the chapters is because the overall principle that we've often been taught through an apologetic type of framework, which is that the Bible dwarfs in reliability, reliability, I can't even speak, reliability <laughs> and validity, is that you know it dwarfs other other scripts mm. other books other pieces of, you know and that principle is true but that what often happens is that errors creep in to undermine the truth that the bible is really does dwarf everything else and so for hence that reason it's all the more important to make sure that our facts figures statistics anecdotes whatever you want to call them are actually accurate which is hence why the subtitle of this book is um, or the actual title is Maths, Myths and Mistakes. Last time we dealt with autographs, and today, just briefly, we're going to be dealing with mistakes regarding numbers. Yeah, so I think this is probably um, one of those chapters that everyone will have thought or heard about at some point because the numbers to do with New Testament manuscripts are often pulled out as an apologetic uh, resource, which, of course, is true and is useful. But as we've been reading this particular chapter, it's become obvious where the numbers have been inflated when they shouldn't have been, um, that there has to be a bit more caution around specifics that are given about numbers. And actually, I, I find this chapter really helpful because it, it, it just kind of explains some of the reasons where uh, mistakes can easily happen and therefore we mustn't rely too closely on a very specific number because as with all things, uh, that can change. So, so yeah. Yeah, not all inflation is deliberate in the same way that not all false teaching mm. in the church is willful or knowing. Some some are wolves in sheep's clothing and they know what they're doing. Other times there's just a kind of cultural endemic uh, pervasion mm. of false teaching. Mm -hmm. Similarly with these inflated numbers, um, it's sometimes just ignorance yeah, is what I'm trying definitely. to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we're just going to do the same format as we did last time and just take the key takeaways and then just kind of talk a little around some of the detail that we read in the actual chapter just to keep uh, this fairly succinct and not too long, basically. <laughs> so um, I will just start with the first key takeaway from this one. So it was actually quite a short chapter um, and there's there's kind of three main, main points that we'll discuss from this. So... Uh, the first one is the official catalogue of Greek New Testament manuscripts 
is maintained by the INTF in Münster. Now, just for reference, the INTF is the Institute uh, for New Testament Textual Research. It sounds like some, either something off Mission Impossible with with, <laughs> with Tom Cruise or some kind of personality profile. And acronym. I was really confused when I was looking this up to double check it. Because INTF. It, INTF. I think that might be the German, which is why the English doesn't letters matter. doesn't match up, which is why I was confused. Anyway, uh, so the total number of entries in the INTF catalogue is not necessarily the total number of Let, Let's Greek explain what this INTF is, though, first. Manuscripts. Before you finish that long trailing <laughs> sentence that I've just interrupted, let's explain what the INTF is, because, again, this is where the very practical... This is where it's practical, and it would help people to go and look at the INTF, understand that this is this is where and how yeah. you would access it and and why you would want to, for example, do that in order to memorise certain things that in moments of witness on the street or preparation for sermons or whatever it is, you've got that as a very practical resource. What, what is the INTF? So it's basically just a catalogue, an online catalogue, where all of the manuscripts that are found are numbered and then added to this catalogue. So you mm-hmm. can go on and see, um, apparently I haven't done it, but you can do this. You can go on and look and see at the different manuscripts that have been found and new ones that are being found and then they all get registered in this catalogue so this is like the official mm-hmm. number of them that have been found of greek new testament manuscripts yeah it's the place to go to just know what the what the numbers actually are and um what constitutes a certain number that we'll come to in a minute mm-hmm. um yeah, I mean, again, just tracing these thoughts. The autograph last week, the last time, was the original handwritten document. Manuscript is the is the result of copying, and so yeah. this INTF is the online source register register of those manuscripts. Yeah, and just to be clear, manuscripts um, we tend to think of them as like a full kind of document uh, when we we hear the word in modern understanding yeah. a manuscript as this kind of complete mm-hmm. full document. A manuscript can be anything like a, just a fragment of one of these manuscripts and that's counted as a manuscript, mm-hmm. which probably sounds a little bit weird to our modern thinking, but actually it's just evidence of the original, this copy that's been made and that we can then go back to and verify as... Um, just it, it can be used to then verify the reliability of the text mm-hmm. of the autograph. So uh, that that's essentially um, the first thing, and I didn't know anything about this place, so I think it's really useful because that that it can essentially give you the updated number of the manuscripts. But as we'll see later, the exact number isn't something that we should focus on too much that can be misleading no well no we'll come to the number won't we but for example if you were in conversation with your muslim islamic neighbor Mm -hmm. who's you know who believe that the bible is spurious a result of lies chinese whispers and that kind of thing the numbers are important to be able to memorize and know so if we're talking to our neighbor and he's like yeah but but jesus said that to Mary, Mary, Mary as a baby said that Jesus wasn't the Son of God. What are you going to say to that? Well, you're going to say, "Well, look, this biblical text, the New Testament that we're talking about, these are this is these are the exact numbers mm. of manuscripts that are on file, so to speak, compared with the Quran mm-hmm. that is saying something that's polar." But both of these two things can't be right, can they, dear Muslim neighbor? Mm-hmm. And these these are the numbers that you need to know. You need to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
yeah so it helps to um it helps to understand the the reliability of the text yeah, which means it, it can be trusted yeah for us but it also exposes the folly of antichrist narratives that want to make out as though the bible isn't reliable mm, yeah mm-hmm. so it's kind of like a two-edged sword really yeah so the second takeaway from this chapter um is basically that new manuscripts continue to be discovered usually in existing libraries or collections these, however, are by no means equal in size or significance. So It's partly what you've just said. Uh, yes, but in this little bit, I wanted to raise a couple of things as to why this might happen because it probably seems a bit strange that how can new manuscripts be being found now? Would it not? I don't know. Maybe that mm. seems like an odd thing to happen. But basically, um, the chapter raises a few scenarios where and reasons why this this may have happened and why we have to be cautious with the numbers. So, for example, um, if there has been some kind of natural disaster or um, some movement in history, people movement where manuscripts could have been sold privately and then collected by people and then been put into libraries or whatever else. And then later discovered by others sometimes these could have been counted twice for example these things could happen they might just have been unknown and therefore they are completely brand new Um, sometimes things reappear in other places and they have to do some analysis to see if it's something they've already seen before so um, it's not duplicating yeah mm-hmm. and sometimes that does happen there's double counting that does take place um, so there's there's all kinds of reasons that are quite complex as to why numbers are getting a very specific number is just unachievable in many respects. Um, and not needed. Yeah, and just and just not needed. Mm. And um, just on that last little bit about equal in size and significance, as mentioned earlier, sometimes the the part that's found is is just a word. It's like a word on a bit of a manuscript or a small section of a piece of uh, of a passage that kind of thing so all the different parts that are found vary can vary and need to be to be weighed up individually to see what their kind of individual significance is yeah but but equally they don't get put into that register unless they are you know, unless they get they go through a process of exactly. of checking, and they're not. Yeah. This is not the INTF isn't isn't like an accumulative number of things that could potentially be biblical New Testament manuscripts. They are, in fact, submitted as it's like this the fortune or fake thing with Fiona Bruce and the other chap, <laughs> isn't it? The provenance, the whole the whole point of 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 trying to all the man hours that go into proving whether or not an unknown piece of art is actually by the the mm. famous artist or not, whether it's worth millions of pounds or nothing virtually nothing <laughs> the provenance you know that, that's that the, the verdict the result of that is after hours days weeks months of research and that's what the intf is representing isn't it it's the authority mm. um just the authority on on this textual criticism really mm-hmm. what's the url for that by the way because we didn't give that it's on um it's on there somewhere. It is on there somewhere, so we can maybe add it into we'll, the We'll put notes. it into the show yeah, notes. Yeah, that would yeah. be the easiest way to do it. So our final takeaway from this one 
most manuscripts of the New Testament are only manuscripts of part of the New Testament and providing an exact count of them is a fool's errand. It is best to say that there are about 5,300 Greek New Testament manuscripts in existence, although 5,100 might be safer to estimate. That's an important point. I was going to touch on that a minute ago, is that because of all this shifting sands of the passage of time that you just mentioned, hence there's actually a need to be conservative in these numbers, in these maths. Mm-hmm. Hence the math myths, what, yeah. the, the math myths, which <laughs> tends to have have been inflated to numbers that actually you don't you don't need to inflate. No. You, in fact, to you're undermining what you're trying to do as an apologetic when you do that. Rather, be conservative with the numbers. And even then, it's still dwarfing. Yeah. It's still making the point that that we're, you know, we're 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 kind of using in evangelism and in and in whatever else. Um but it serves to reinforce it rather than undermine it doesn't it yeah and i think um from memory um they've also um i think the same th- um thing has happened but in the opposite way for other ancient documents so they've yes. underplayed yes. when actually they should have been more honest with the numbers of manuscripts that have been found so for example i think it was homer's odyssey i think the actual number is near 300 but some people have reduced it down to something like 20 or yeah. something ridiculous like that. And again, we don't do ourselves any favours when mm-hmm. we're not honest in both directions because it just makes it like somehow we need to prove it when we don't. Mm-hmm. So I, I think this is a good example because for when we say, right, the New Testament <clears throat> has uh, 5,100 manuscripts and uh, Homer's Odyssey has 300. Um, Homer's Odyssey is no less invalid because it's got 300. Um, and even even if Homer's Odyssey had the same number, that doesn't make the New Testament less valid. All mm-hmm. it does is prove, like every other document, ancient document, that a text is reliable. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it doesn't do any damage to Christianity if we say, mm-hmm. even if the numbers were exactly the same. Mm-hmm. We don't need to inflate them. We don't need to put other ones down because the process is the same for every ancient document. Indeed. That's basically the nuts and bolts of of why these guys have needed to write this book. It's just, yeah. it's just odd that, it's, it's funny, isn't it, that these guys who apologize who are, you know, that's their job, to be apologists and so on, would ever need to do that. Like Amy Ewing, mm. based at the Oxford Centre of Christian... Ocker, I think it's called Oxford Centre of Christian Apologetics. You know, there was a link there with Ravi Zacharias and all that. And you, you do sometimes wonder, you know... I don't want to go off too much on this, but I think it is a... It has probed... It's been something that's just gone around my mind... Essentially, as I alluded to at the beginning of this particular episode, is that sometimes these kind of things can be done in mistake or just you're you're repeating Mm -hmm. things that, you know, you've heard. But it's important to say if you're an apologist, if you're an authority on these things, that's not going to wash. You know, if you're a medical doctor and you're standing up to give a lecture to medical students, you can't. You have to know, you have to know your stuff, mm-hmm. like in any teaching capacity, don't you? So it kind of has bothered me a little bit. 
you know, when you think of the likes of Amy or Ewing, and these guys have been gracious in this book, mm. where there's this, that you can't really come to any other conclusion that the numbers have been fudged. Why Why would that happen? What? What? What, what is this kind of saying about a wider organisational culture? Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. whereas it says in Psalm 51, 6, I think it is, you know, that he desires truth in the inward part you know in the most in, in, intimate inward part of who we are he desires truth there mm-hmm. so when we're coming to, when we're coming to the book the book of truth if if in our communication around it we don't have integrity in that it's just it's like how does that ever happen mm-hmm. i know and what's that saying about some of these wider organizational cultures mm-hmm. you know yeah. We have to take responsibility for, quote unquote, our own organisational cultures within our homes to be, A, sharp enough to even be thinking and talking about this, but but B, having moral integrity to be able to say, hey, these are the numbers. We know what the numbers mm-hmm. are. It's like it's, it's like the guys that go on to um, oh, Dragon's the Den. Dragon's <laughs> Den, you know, or The Apprentice, mm-hmm. you know, this, these, these programmes where people come on into the moment of limelight in front of the... The, you know the, the, the dragons, or in front of Lord Sugar and his uh, aides, and they just don't know the numbers. They're fudging numbers. Mm. There is there is just this kind of like moral slide, which means they just in the moment where they need to stand up, they just collapse. Mm. And so, why that's happened in some of these instances, or in fact, indeed, why there's been a need for this book to have been written, I just it flabbergasts me to be honest. Um, but it, it does make the point that you don't just believe what you read. Yeah, I think it's. As we've said about countless other topics, um, it's not enough to just listen to someone else and regurgitate what they say. You need to be really mm-hmm. careful with these things and go away and do a bit of homework and read up on things. And I think, you know, as we've said before, the thing with the organisational level that you're talking about, mm-hmm. I think there's a greater responsibility for people who are in those places. Like if you're going to be influencing large numbers of people you need to make sure that Mm -hmm. what you're saying is correct and you know there are different different levels for different places but I think getting this stuff right is really important because it almost doesn't matter what the numbers are Mm -hmm. if somebody hears that we are inflating numbers like that that just immediately puts a red rag to people who Mm -hmm. are atheist or who just don't want to know Mm-hmm. Like you're just putting up a barrier immediately over something that just doesn't need one. It's just a senseless thing to do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it's just important to be really careful with circumspect specifics. is the word circumspect <clears throat> and and to be able to actually simply say to people what you're saying is simply not true. And this is why. And I, I would I would say to to guys go go to the INTJ website. We'll give you the URL. You can do that. Maybe contact them. I'm sure they would absolutely love to hear from you if you've got any questions. Don't come to us with questions. No, we don't know. We're we're not the experts, far from it, but we are um, seeking to have that culture in our own home where we have the numbers. We're not fudging the numbers. We're prepared to say to people, hey, listen, what you're saying is simply not true. And we've done the the groundwork and we've done the legwork Mm. to, to be able to say that. So yeah, go on to the I'll go on to the URL, check out the INTJ, and um, maybe drop them a line. Mm-hmm. And 
just before we finish up, I'm going to have a quick look at the next chapter to see what we're reading, if I can find it. <laughs> Episode three is chapter three. Man. Uh, yeah, myths about classical literature. So that'll be interesting. So essentially, other ancient works. It's actually not. It's part four. We've already done an introduction. Yeah. So um, what is it again? Uh, myths about classical literature responsibly comparing the New Testament to ancient works. Okay, so we've touched on that. Yeah, so that'll today. be a bit more on that. And that will require getting to grips with pronouncing certain Greek names that are <laughs> not particularly easy to say. <laughs> Thank you everybody for listening. If you'd like to be part of our support team to help produce this content, basically what is a full-time volunteer ministry, please come through to our Patreon website where you can join a small team of supporters and help make this happen, basically. We're looking in the long term to reduce work in other areas for Mary, particularly. So if you want to help facilitate that, we'd love to hear from you. If you want to talk about that, discuss that, hear what our plans are for that, please do drop us a line. <laughs>